Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. How many of you agree with me? Nobody likes to be told what to do. You agree with that? If I had just stood up here and said to you, we're going to open the church back up, but the only way we're opening it up is you need to serve. How many of you right then, don't raise your hands or don't do it, but how many of you right then and there would have stood up and walked out of the building? If I said you have to serve in order to come to LifePoint, if you're going to drop your kids off, you have to serve at least once a month. If I told you that, you'd be like, forget this, I'm out of here. Nobody likes to be told what to do. That's not in, in fact, it's in us, in our DNA almost, you know, the sinful human nature from the very beginning to just like our first answer and response is no, no, we don't have to, I, I don't know a single parent who has ever had to teach their kid to say no. I don't know a single one, right? Because that, that's our, no, no, you tell me what to do. No, no, it's in us. In fact, the American dream is really, think about this, the American dream is to be able to have the power or the money to say no to whatever we want and to whoever we want, right? Isn't that really the essence of the American dream? The American dream in that sense is autonomy. We might use the word freedom, but it's, it's, it's autonomy. Autonomy is, is doing what I want, when I want, where I want, and having enough money so that if I get in trouble, I can get out of trouble for the decisions that I've made. It's in all of us. We don't want to be told what to do. And we think this, once I call my own shots in life, I will always call the right shots. Have you thought that? Hey, if I get to call my own shots, I'm going to make the right calls and I'm going to make the call the right shots. And it's why you and I, we get baffled by people who actually have autonomy, right? They have the money, they made it, they, they have the freedom, they have margin in their life, they have stuff, they can do what they want. And when they make it, but then they make decisions that undermine their authority, we think, hey, if I was in that position in that situation, no, no, I would never screw up like they just screwed up. We've all done that. We've all thought that. And yet, you and I also make bonehead decisions also, don't we? Right? You've made decisions. I've made decisions and I thought, why in the world did I do something so dumb? Why? Why do we make those bad decisions? It's not because someone told us what to do and we chose to do that. It's not because someone's telling us what to do. It's because we're telling ourselves what to do. It's because we take our own advice. And our own advice, think about this, it's always filtered through our emotions. Our own advice is through, filtered through our emotions, which can then distort reality for us. Our advice, our thinking gets filtered through our emotions that often present a distorted reality. So in this new series that we're kicking off today, it's called Who's in Charge? We want to learn how to properly handle, how to properly address, how to properly deal with our emotions, uh, how to say no to them even at times, uh, these emotions that compete for control of our life. And you already know this, of why this is so important, because you've watched how your emotions have impacted your life, haven't you? 
You've watched how your emotions have impacted the decisions that you've made. They've impacted the quality of your life. And they've impacted the quality of the life of people around you. So we want to seek God in this series. And we want to pray. And we want to ask God. I want to invite all of you to do this and, and really seek God, God and say, God, what emotions in my life are seeking to have control over my life. Because I recognize and understand that my emotions influence, impact, and drive my behavior. They're the filter through which I make decisions. And oftentimes, it's not for the better. Now, you and I, we've all developed an ability to monitor or even curb our behavior. Now, that's happened with us, and we've figured out that ability so that we can function, right? So that we can function in society, so that we can actually get a job, so that we can get a date, so we can get a second date, so we can get married, so that we can have kids, so we can get a job and keep a job, so that we can live in a society. But Jesus is inviting us in this series to a different type of monitoring, to look past simply monitoring, you know, how we behave to begin to monitor what's going on on the inside of us. And what we're going to look at today that Jesus says, it's so profound. It can literally change your life. It can transform your life. It can make your life better. It can make your life healthier. It can make your life more whole. And you can be at more peace and more complete. And the people around you also will benefit as well. Unless you and I choose to make intentional efforts to be aware and then address whatever toxic voices that are inside of us that are seeking control, you and I, we will end up with regrets. We'll end up with regrets that, that hurt us and hurt others because of the decisions we've made, listening to those internal, sometimes toxic voices. So with that in mind, let's check this out. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1. You can go on your phone to the YouVersion Bible app, follow along with me, or you can use a physical Bible as well. We're going to pick up Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. It says this. It says, Some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. Anytime the Bible says from Jerusalem, that's code for us that says the religious leaders came to trick Jesus. To trip him up. So anytime that happens, they traveled to come to Jesus. And so they say to Jesus in verse 2, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? Now, what, how are they doing that? They don't wash their hands before they eat. To which all the moms in the room or online say, Oh, that is so gross. Go wash your hands, young man, young lady. Go wash your hands. But that's not what's going on here. The religious leaders know what's going on. There's something else in this passage that goes beyond hygiene, and Jesus knows it. So what's the tradition of the elders that Jesus' disciples are breaking, or what's also called the oral Torah? These are not rules from God. These are religious rules made up by men. They were rules that were developed and then passed down through the generations as this wall of protection for people to make sure that they didn't actually ever violate any of the actual laws or commands that God gave Moses. And so these rules, they, they were like an extra fence around the laws of God. They were strict. 
and they were confining, and they were overbearing interpretations of the law of Moses. For example, the law of Moses said this. It said, it said you're not to work on the Sabbath. And so these religious leaders, you know, got this secret wisdom somewhere that came to them and said, okay, well, here's what that means. That means, and they created hundreds, thousands of laws to define what work was. And they got into the minutest of details. For example, you can't even light a candle on the Sabbath because that's considered work. And they had all these rules about what kind of knots you could tie and could not tie or could not untie. Well, this knot, that's not work. You can go ahead and tie that kind of knot. This knot, you can't tie that knot. That's considered work. Uh, this knot, you can untie. Okay, maybe it's your shoe. You can untie. That's not work. But this knot, if you untie this one, no, no, that is work. They were strict, overbearing rules. They didn't want to risk anyone potentially, or potentially, you know, um, um, working on the Sabbath. Perhaps there was good intention with it, but it got carried away. So, as you might suspect, Jesus wasn't a big fan of these oral laws, these traditions of the elders. And in this specific confrontation that Jesus has with the Pharisees, it's about Jesus' disciples not following these traditions as it pertains to washing your hands. It was another goofy example of an oral law that, you know, made sure that you didn't violate any of the dietary laws that God set up. Jesus had issue with this. And he had issue with these traditions of men for a reason. It's because they made God seem small and God seem petty. And so Jesus says this, and he gets ready to go after him. Matthew 15, verse 3, Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? So they say, hey, why do your disciples break these traditions of the elders? And Jesus comes back and says, well, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he goes on and he gives an example in the next few verses. And he's basically saying, hey, you guys created these mysterious laws that were revealed to you. And it's interesting. They enable you to get around the written word of God. You know, the law that God actually gave. They allow you to get around God's word so that you can avoid that. So you can do what you want to. And Jesus was talking in this passage because God said to honor your father and mother. They said, look, you've created all these crazy laws where you don't have to honor your father and mother. And Jesus is like, how is that a good thing? In fact, he goes on and says this, because you don't want to take care of your parents. And he says in verse 6, by all these traditions and laws you've created, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. And Jesus went right after him. And then he quotes this profound insight that's really going to, uh, you know, define and describe our discussion for the next few weeks. He says this in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus said to these hypocrites, he said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips. In other words, they've learned to say all the right things. They got their behavior down, but their hearts, say hearts. Their hearts are, what does it say? They're far from me. They're far from God. These religious leaders turned religion into a game that they could win. That they always look good. That they were able to keep 
power in the hands of a select few while the regular everyday person was manipulated or played or taken advantage of. Honestly, in many respects, it's like the majority of politicians today, or at least a good chunk of politicians today. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, in other words, what Jesus is about to say, he wants everybody to know. He want, this is important. So he says to them, verse 11, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. Because again, you guys don't wash your hands, and so now you're eating. There's all these dietary rules God ha has, and so you don't wash your hands, so now you're being defiled by, as you go to eat. That's what these elders were saying, these, these religious leaders. And Jesus said, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them. Just because you don't wash properly because of these mysterious secret laws that were revealed to you religious leaders, that doesn't put you at odds with God. God's not some small, petty God. He's not a gotcha God. He's not going to put you in a, you know, a timeout. Because you, you know, had some minor breach of etiquette of some law created by man. What goes, comes out of his mouth. But then he says this, verse 11, he goes on. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And then Jesus walks away from the Pharisees as they stand there stunned as to what just happened. And as usual... The disciples are kind of, you know, clueless a little bit. They don't know what to think either. They're like, hey, what just happened? I think Jesus just won an argument, but, you know, I'm not quite sure. And so Peter speaks up. Well, it says this, verse 12, the disciples came to him and asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? You think? Yeah, 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 of course Jesus knew. Jesus knew exactly what he was do, doing, and I just love this next line. Jesus says, oh, yeah. In fact, verse 14, I want you to leave them. They're blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both are going to fall into a pit. You know what? One time it was okay to follow them. But they've gotten so far from the heart of God and so wrapped up in their own traditions I don't want you to pay attention to them anymore. In fact, I don't want you to follow them anymore because if you follow them, they're blind to the truth of God. And if you follow them, you too will be blind to the truth of God. And then Peter speaks up because it kind of sounded to them like Jesus was dismissing all the dietary laws of Moses, which of course he wasn't doing. And so Peter said, hey, Jesus, you got to explain the parable to us. Help us out. We're confused. And then Jesus says, verse 16, guys, are you still so dull? which most translations say, say, you still don't understand. You've been with me. You've been hanging with me. You've been hearing me, and, and you haven't figured it out yet. And in this next part of the conversation, we get insight into the heart of Jesus and the heart of our Heavenly Father and what he has for us and what then ought to be important to you and I as well. Now, before we get to it, here's what we know about God. God is not most concerned about behavior, that our behavior and how it affects him. That's not what God's most concerned about. 
In fact, if somebody in my position ever tells you, you know what, you have to do this to be right with God. You have to, you know, to make God happy, you gotta, you gotta do this, you gotta go there, you gotta stay in God's good graces, and here's what it looks like, and here's how you do it, and follow this list, and follow these rules. If someone like me says that, man, you gotta run. Get away from that person, because Jesus was clear and consistent throughout his ministry that the laws of God were given, not just so God can be some just God who's just hard and difficult and making our lives miserable and trying to prop himself up and elevate him. That's not why God gave us his laws. God gave us his laws for us, for our best interest. God gave us his laws so that we could live a good life, the life that God has for us. And, and you go back into Deuteronomy, and you see over and over and over, I'll just read you a couple passages. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 40, it says this, Today I'm explaining God's laws and teachings. And if you always obey them, you and your descendants will live long and be successful. Say successful. You're going to live long, and you're going to have success in the land that I have for you, God says, when you follow what I have for you. Deuteronomy 5.33, follow them, the laws of God, because what are they? They are a what? What are they? Say it out loud. They are a? They're a path for you. They guide you. They direct you. They're a path that will lead to, again, here it is, a long, successful life in the land your God has given you. God says, I've given you my laws for your benefit. And yet so many have missed it. God is not most concerned with how our behavior affects him. He's good. It's how it affects us and how it affects other people. Now, then we see a little bit of Jesus' humor. And, and some of us miss the humor of Jesus when we read Scripture because we just, some of us just see Jesus as this you know, serious God, right? And, uh, and Jesus was human. And fully human, fully God. And, and, and I absolutely believe Jesus had an amazing sense of humor. In fact, I would argue, you know, Jesus is the best of mankind. I'd argue Jesus had the best sense of humor of all time. And, and he says here in this passage, and I don't know if you'll see the humor, but I do. Uh, in fact, picture being a teenage guy. And he says, verse 17, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? That's like super tame, but you know what he just said, right? He's like, come on, guys, you know, whatever you're eating, you're just pooping it out the next day, right? And depending on your setting and who you're talking to and who you're with and what ship you're on, if you're a sailor or whatever, you're going to have different words that you might have said there. <laughs> and I think everyone's cracking up because you just kind of just leaned over. He's like, you know, whatever you eat, you're just going to. So he, ha he has this with them. And they're like, good point, Jesus. Verse 18, Jesus says, but the things, that, that's what, what goes into your mouth. That's just gonna, you're just going to get rid of that. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, that's the issue. That's what defiles you. In other words, your heavenly father is far more concerned with what comes out of you than the food you eat that goes in. Now, that word defile is an interesting word. It carries religious implications. To be defiled was to be at odds with God. And Jesus is saying to you and I, you want to know what puts us at odds with God? It's not what you accidentally eat. It's not what you even eat and it goes in or violating some tradition set up by men. The things that put you and I are at odds with God is what we say and what we do. 
that ends up putting us at odds with other people. Because we know that one of the major themes of Jesus' teaching, besides talking about the kingdom of God, one of his major things, what themes was the way we demonstrate love for God is how we love others. How we treat others. So when you and I say something or do something that impacts and hurts another person, God's concerned about that. That's an issue to God. Not some tradition of an elder or some tradition of a church that set up a whole bunch of rules. It's your behavior, what you say and what you do, and how that impacts other people. That's how you and I defile ourselves. Not by offending God because God's so sensitive or God has four things you always got to do to keep him happy. That's not even his main point. His main point is actually the part I left out of the verse. And Jesus said this, and it's so powerful. Matthew 15, verse 18. Let's read the whole verse. He said, but the things that come out of a person's mouth, here's the part I left out. They come from the what? They come from the? They come from the heart of that person. And that's what defiles them. They originate within. From inside our heart. We could also say our mind. And the things that originate within those all eventually come out. And those things that, come, uh, that are within our heart, within our mind, kind of with Hebrew, Greek, all that, you know, all one and the same, really. Those that come out of us, those are the things that puts us at odds with God, especially if it's something that puts us at odds with other people. Now, you might push back, and you might say, I don't buy it, because sometimes I say things I don't actually mean. To which I think based on this passage, Jesus would probably say something like, oh, you meant it all right. You just didn't mean to say it out loud. You meant it all right. You just happened to allow inside voice to become outside voice. And every time inside voice becomes outside voice, you get in trouble. Have you figured that out? So Jesus would say you did mean it because it came out of you. It came out of you. It came out of you because it's in you. Here's what he said. He goes on, verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. And Jesus is so smart here. He points to out what some of us have been learning. Some of us are still trying to figure out that all of our problematic behaviors, all of them began inside with a thought. They began inside our heart. And so he said, every murder begins with a thought. It comes from within. He goes on, look at the verse 19. Murder, every ad adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. That all begins in the heart, in the mind. And that eventually leads to our behavior. The gospel writer of Mark added in the same passage, it had a few more items that Jesus said come from the heart. Like greed and malice and deceit and envy and arrogance and folly. What's folly? Folly is not a word you and I walk around saying. It's just simply bad judgment. And if you think about it, your greatest regrets relationally were all a result of what? Bad judgment. Folly. Those embarrassing, despicable, relationship-killing, career-killing, financially debilitating or financially killing behaviors. Jesus says all of that source is right here. Right here. Our hearts, our minds. And he said, verse 20, those are the things, verse 19 that he just read, that defile you. 
That's what puts you at odds with God because those are the things that ends up putting you at odds with other people. And just to clarify, he said, verse 20, but eating with unwashed hands, that doesn't file you. Come on. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, God's, God's fine. Mom may not be happy, but God's fine. How you treat others, it matters. If you mistreat someone that God loves, you mistreat God. And I could spend 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, a whole series saying, all right, let's talk about what that means. You can go through the list. As you look at any relational issue, any topic in America today, any, any social justice issue, any topic related to race, any talk, topic related to uh, financial equity or inequity, anything that we're dealing with on a national level, it all comes back to this. If you mistreat someone that God loves, then you defile your self. That's all. You just look through it through this grid. doesn't matter if you just say something, but if you say something that results in this behavior, Jesus said that's what's coming from within. How you treat others matters. And so Jesus is going to invite you and I for these next few weeks to take monitoring to a different level. To not just monitor how we behave, because a lot of us, maybe most of us, you know, we're Christians, and so we've kind of learned how to monitor our behavior and try to, you know, look good, act the part. Jesus says, I want to go inside because the religious leaders, I don't want to ever be a Pharisee, a hypocrite. I don't want to be that person. Now, I do hypocritical things from time to time. So do you. We all do. That's why we need Jesus to save us. But I don't want that to be who I am. These religious leaders, they played a good game. They looked the part. But man, their hearts were not right with God. And we want to get our hearts right with God. And so in this series, we're going to try to develop this habit that when those emotions are coming our way, that we would be able to look at them, to identify them, to figure them out, and to let, say to them, you are not in charge of me. You are not the boss of me. In fact, when, when, when guilt comes up, and we're going to talk about this, when envy comes up or anger or fear or indifference or anxiety or depression or shame. Now, we don't have enough weeks to talk about all those. We're going to talk about a bunch of them. And when those come up inside of us, to be able to look at them and identify them and say, you're not in charge of me. You're not the boss of me. Because you and I, think about it. How different would our life be as a middle schooler, as a, as a, as a high schooler, a college student, as an adult? How different would our life be is if we could monitor our hearts and decide that rather than have these emotions that sometimes are raging emotions, rather than having, you know, this raging fear in us or this raging, this anger in us or, or, or lust or shame or guilt or depression or whatever it is, what if we could learn to not allow that to be in charge of our emotions? That we could deal with our hearts so that we can live a life that honors other people, that doesn't defile ourselves because we end up with those emotions taking over and those end up destroying our lives and destroying our relationships. Jesus wants you and I to get better at monitoring but he's not focused on our behavior. The behavior is, he wants it to be a result of monitoring our hearts. Getting our hearts right. Getting our minds right. Now, for those of us who are already Jesus followers, we already have someone who's in charge. That's Jesus. 
we could say, in a sense, he's the boss of us. We said, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're in charge. And here's what Jesus said to us. He said in Matthew 11, verse 28, he said, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen, you might be successful on the outside. You might have everything together on the outside, but inside, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of insecurity. For some of you inside, there's a lot of shame. Some of you, there's a lot of guilt. And you're dealing with things that perhaps nobody knows about, but the reality is all of that's oozing out. It's all coming out. And oftentimes, people around you already know it. Now, not always, but a lot of times they do. And Jesus says, man, come to me. Why would you allow those inferior bosses to be in charge and in control? I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you rest on the inside. He said in another passage, John 14, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. The peace of the world is just externally everything's, you know, good. Jesus said, no, no, I'm going to give you peace on the inside. Even when things are, even if things aren't going great on the outside. So how do you get it? Jesus said, simply, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. And you will find rest. Say the word rest. You will find rest for your souls. <laughs> Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want rest from what's going on internally that wages war against us? That eventually, because it's inside of us, it eventually comes out of us. And Jesus said that eventually that stuff inside of it, it ends up defiling you. Jesus says, I don't want that for you. I want to give you rest. I want to give you peace. So this week, it's an introduction. I, I always am bummed when people have missed introduction messages. And I hope everybody will listen and watch because this sets the tone. So that when we go in and we say, let's talk about shame. Let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about depression. Let's talk about some of these things that we're dealing with, especially this last year more than ever. And let's say, Jesus, you work this out because I want rest. I want rest and I want peace internally. Do you want that? Man, Jesus wants it for you so badly. So will you join me the next uh, four or five weeks? Be a part of this series. You're not going to want to miss a single one. Let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, we thank you that you provide such a better way. We thank you for your incredible insight into these issues that we didn't even know where we were headed today. God, we, we want our hearts right. We want rest for our souls. We want peace. Because God, I know once we get into this, there's a lot of us who we're, we're weary. We're burdened. We're in pain. And we need you. We don't want these emotions to be in charge of us. So God, would you help us in this journey? I wanna invite you right now in your own heart, would you just go before God and with your own words, would you say something like this? Would you just say, God, I want your peace.
God, I want rest. I don't even want to necessarily deal with everything yet that's inside of me, but I do want your rest, God. So I'm committing right now to hearing what you have to say to me. I want to experience your light and easy yoke. I want, God, your peace. So God, I'm ready. Do the surgery you need to do inside of me. My heart is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. God, hear those prayers. And God, do an amazing work. Do miracles in the lives of those people who will participate and be a part of these messages. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your yoke that is easy and not burdensome. We thank you for the peace and the joy you give us. We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.